and welcome to The Writer's Mindset with me, Christina Adams, Millie the Westie. And me, Ellie Burtz. Frankie's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to create a community of authors who persevere, are their most productive selves, and publish at a speed they are comfortable with. And this week we're sharing our favourite writing resources. A big thank you to our patrons for your support. We really couldn't do this without you. As a patron, you get early access to episodes, bonus content and our undying gratitude for supporting all the work that goes into creating these episodes to inspire and motivate you. And Christina has been let out of her dungeon after working hard (laughs) on the new bonus series for you too. Yep, that's right. The first couple of episodes of Healthy Habits are out now. And it is a new series that's kind of like Productivity for Writers 2.0, but in podcast form instead. So instead of just reading it, you can watch it, you can listen to it, or you can just read it. And it's full of stuff to help you be your happiest and most productive writer, but also person. So we're covering things like the mind-body connection and how that can improve or make worse your physical and mental health and things people don't really want me to tell them like exercise no one wants to hear the exercise discussion or the stats about how much it matters especially not the person who's got an injured foot and can't exercise but it does make a difference to your productivity it sounds like you have been particularly busy i think you've run some time outside of the dungeon if you would like to find out more visit patreon.com forward slash writers mindset This week, we are bringing to you some of our favorite writing resources. Now, these are the kind of writing resources that have very much changed our writing lives. Some of them are free. Some of them do cost a little bit of money. um, Some of them are Apple specific. Some of them are a little more inclusive. uh, (laughs) But all of them have impacted our writing lives in one way or another. And only for the better, of course. The first one we'll start with today is having a physical paper diary or planner. And I actually got this idea from you originally, Christina, because you started this trend. The irony is I did this because you got me a diary. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I got you that. Yep. I'm a trendsetter by accident, apparently. You accidentally got me one that matches the colour scheme in this room as well. Oh, no, the colour was very intentional. Oh, okay. I didn't realise it was The colour choice was intentional. The content was accidentally happily fantastic, but that's just how I roll. (laughs) I find I do use an app to track stuff as well, which we'll get to in a minute, but I find having a physical diary really helps me because it's always open on the day's page right in front of me. And so I can see exactly what I've got to do. And then the next day before I go to bed, I will write down what I have to do the following day. So it means I can't forget stuff because it's constantly there it's like oh I haven't edited that client piece yet I'll do that next or oh I haven't cleaned Millie's ears today I'll do that next you know things like that and it's (laughs) sometimes it's trivial stuff but I am in the habit of writing down as much as possible just so that I don't forget it and also every time I tick something off from that to-do list I get a little dopamine fix which makes my brain happy which makes it more inclined to do more stuff that's good. I did um I did get a diary. I did use it for a little while and then I forgot. Uh <laughs> but when I was using it, I did the same thing. And there is a psychology behind 
planning what you're doing the next day, the day before kind of thing. When you wake up in the morning, you already know what's coming. It's easier to start the day. It's easier to get on with the day. You already have a plan in mind without having to spend that brain energy first thing in the morning working out what the hell you're going to do with your day. The next one on our list is an app that I actually discovered because of a YouTuber that my boyfriend follows. Um, his channel is called MKBHD. And he is a tech um, YouTuber, does a lot of reviews and stuff. And he uses an app called TickTick. And I'd never heard of it before, but I saw it and looked at it. And I just thought, that's really sexy. I need it. And the beauty of TickTick, Ellie's laughing at me. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm so glad it's not just me that occasionally thinks, oh, this is some sexy software. <laughs> not just you. Well, okay. the thing is, like, you look at a lot of productivity apps and there's so many features on them that it's a little bit overwhelming, or at least that's how I feel anyway. Um, no, like, absolutely. Like I, there was a different app, which I don't know if we really should say the name of because it's not, I don't necessarily like to talk, say bad things about other things, but there was an app that we were trying to use for a while and it's just made me feel so overwhelmed. But looking at TikTok and we're going to set up our own organ- podcast organization stuff on TikTok. We already have. Well, well I was going to say, did we? Did you link me to this? <laughs> yes, I added you, and I've been ticking stuff off on there because you haven't. <laughs> Listen, did you add me? I don't yes. remember talking it about this. It says you have sorry. access. Okay, well, <laughs> the moral of the story is I'm a forgetful bitch. Uh, <laughs> which is why we had TikTok, because it was reminders. Um, because already, like, from the off, it felt a lot less overwhelming, as you said. And the collaboration on it feels a lot more flexible um, and better laid out. So, yes, I'm going to um, load TikTok website after this. And like this <laughs> apparently. The, the thing <laughs> I really like about it is that you can have it as a bog standard to-do list, but you can also have it as a Kanban board. You can have an Eisenhower matrix. You can add subtasks to your tasks. You can add descriptions. You can add due dates. You can set priorities. And it's also got a habit tracker. And I have something between about 12 and 15 things that I track every day. I don't do them all every day. Like I'm really bad practicing my Spanish at the moment, but it reminds you of things like, have I exercised? Have I meditated? Should add watering the greenhouse? But you get my point. Like it's little things that are really easy to forget. And because I'm ticking them off on that habit tracker, my brain feels really happy about the fact that I'm doing it. And so I get that dopamine fix you mentioned before. And then I can see if there is a correlation between like how much I've meditated and how much more I get done on the other days, which I think is quite interesting. And you can also view things on a calendar basis and sync your calendar with it. So for the today view, it will show you all the things that you've got scheduled in your calendar. It will show you all the tasks that are due today, all the overdue tasks. It's just really organized. And also because I've got the paid plan, my background is the Sydney Opera House which also makes me happy. Easily pleased, aren't you? Yes. On the subject of me being a forgetful bitch, um, I think one of the most important things I've started using is a notes app. On my phone, I like to use the Samsung Notes one. Um, it's When I got a new phone, all this stuff was automatically on there, which is really helpful. And it's just really easy to use. I just, as soon as I think of something to do with my book, to do with something I want to change, something I want to add, a character thing... You know, you have that moment where you think, I'm going to remember this. It's fine. No, no, I will not remember this. I never do. I have to write it down. And so there's loads of random notes on there with bits and pieces in that don't make sense. Sometimes I have ideas of people's Christmas presents and I put them in there too. But (laughs) hang on. 
Are you saying you have Christmas present ideas in May? Oh, yeah. To be fair, I did actually think of something for you at the garden centre the other day, so I can't really say anything. I just think people will say something like, oh, this is really cool, or I like this old movie, or I've always wanted to try this. And I just think, hmm, Christmas ideas for X. Put this, put this, put this. Uh, And then when I come to, oh, birthday, I suppose. Then when I come to need something, I already have ideas. Because otherwise I'll just forget them. (laughs) That's fair. But with the writing... Once I finished my first draft a few months ago, I uh, <laughs> I kept having ideas about what I wanted to add in, um, out and about, you know, middle of work, all sorts of stuff. Um, and not only was I supposed to be like taking some time away from the first draft, of course, it's also not practical to start working on your book when you're supposed to be working on your day job. <laughs> so I just made notes in there. And then when it came to collating all those notes, I had some stuff in there. I had some stuff in a notebook and some stuff in a whiteboard, actually. But having the phone there constantly, you can just add stuff to it, can't you? Yeah, that's why I really like mine. And um I had a Mac before I got an iPhone, but then when I got my iPhone, I realized that my notes would sync across to my Mac. And that was just game changing for me because it means I could draft an entire post on the tram home from work and it would be there for me to copy and paste straight into WordPress when I got home. And it's just such a time saver. I think I have something like 1,200 notes on my phone. And that's even after... 1,200. That's even after cleaning out all the stuff I no longer need because it's like poem drafts and notes for books and ideas that I haven't done anything with or sometimes just random words and quotes that I really like and want to save. I do like the fact that the Apple One syncs between devices like your phone and your laptop. That's really handy. So maybe I need to look into one. I need to look into an app that's on my phone and on PC. I know a couple that are on phone and PC are Bear and Evernote um i've heard I more think things of... evernote before yeah i've heard a... an elephant as an icon because it does never forgets yeah i've heard more people talk about bear now than evernote evernote i heard about a few years ago when i was writing productivity for writers but bear seems to have taken over but i haven't like i haven't tried the paid versions of either of them and i haven't used either of them for several years so i can't like say oh yeah this is a great alternative but i have had some people say they're a bit more organized than the basic notes app you get on your phone so i guess it depends kind of on what you're looking for just looking to write shit down so i don't forget it (laughs) in terms of um productivity i would say another useful tool is um the pomodoro technique specifically on youtube you can find pomodoro work sessions so people will be studying in the background and then um, you'll have like a 25 minute work session five minute break or however you like to do it but I find well I always do the 25 one that works best for my brain but if I am not in the mood to work my brain does not want to cooperate it's a lot easier to convince myself all you have to do is work for 25 minutes than to convince myself saying you need to fix this whole book or you need to work for the next eight hours well not eight hours but you know um, so having that way in with those videos you feel like someone's there doing it with you almost which is really nice and it feels like even though you you only have to convince yourself to do 25 minutes no times out of 10 I end up doing more than 25 minutes because you get into the rhythm then it's just convincing your, your brain to engage and then once it's engaged you might find it works better but the breaks are really useful and knowing that they're 
there. And even though you're doing a few sessions, you only have to work 25 minutes at a time. That can be really motivating as well, I think. It's interesting because obviously your brain works very differently to mine. And if I say to my brain, right, we're going to work for 25 minutes, it's going to say, no, fuck you. But if I say we're going to do one thing, we're going to make one change to this blog post or this book or edit five minutes of this podcast episode, I usually end up and like do a gazillion more and go for about an hour. But I I have to narrow that barrier down first and make it as small and achievable as possible to get that dopamine fix and then i'm like oh i'll just do one more change more dopamine i'll just edit five more minutes more dopamine and that's kind of what drives my brain that's really interesting i suppose the commonality there is just breaking it down into small chunks right yeah even though you end up doing more encouraging your brain by breaking it down and only promising yourself you have to do one thing or one set of 25 minutes that encourages you to carry on and keep keep going because it doesn't seem as intimidating right once you've done that smaller amount absolutely absolutely because I don't know about you but when before I start I'm like I don't want to do it it's too hard I don't have the energy etc etc there's always something your brain's trying to tell you right but once you're in the swing of it and you've done the first one you think actually I can do this and I do I do enjoy this in fact yeah last night um I did a writing sprint with one of my friends and it was kind of a joint idea because she wanted to get some edits done because she set herself a deadline and I was struggling a bit with the witch's sacrifice because I'm kind of at the point now where I'm so close to finishing the witch's sacrifice I don't want to finish it so we agreed to do a half an hour sprint and we finished the call after that half an hour and I kept going for like another hour and now I've only got 10 chapters left to make changes of. And before I was on about 20. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's still a third of a book. So when I phrase it like that, it doesn't sound as good, but um, it's still like, it feels so much better to have got over some of those that I was struggling with. Cause there were some notes like I didn't know how to fix or some stuff I didn't want to do like double tracking stuff in previous books to see if I had mentioned them. Like I thought I had. But then just getting into that mindset of with someone else who's also a writer, it did really, really help. It does. It's the accountability, I think. Like you and I do writing sprints too. Um, normally first thing in the morning when we do them. And if it, it, having that accountability and someone there going through the same thing or a similar thing, because obviously we're normally at different parts in our writing. <laughs> um, it's very encouraging, I think. And also getting something like that done at the start of the day, like getting a chunk of work done, pushes you forward for the rest of the day, I think. You've already yeah. accomplished something. What else can we accomplish? From- yeah, my most productive day of this week so far has been when we did a writing sprint in the morning. Um, and during that sprint, I edited one blog post and then did a draft of another one. And I carried on finishing the draft after we finished. And that just like made me like I just felt amazing having gotten that much done I felt like so much better having that sense of achievement and then I didn't get that sense of achievement and that kind of propelled me on for the rest of the day um backfired because I made my foot even more angry by exercising afterwards but anyway um I didn't get that don't drop a chair on your foot yeah and don't exercise after dropping a chair on your foot because you'll piss off the muscles in it it didn't hurt until I fucking exercised. See, exercise, bad for you. <laughs> my brain likes it. My body doesn't. My brain does. This is the predicament I am in. This is true. This is true. I think just going back to the writing sprints issue or thing, we talk about turning up for yourself a lot. Like, 
being there for yourself and doing it for yourself because you deserve it. You know, you've earned it. But there is something to be said for turning up for someone else. Like a lot of the times when we do the writing sprints, I don't know if I would have done it. Oh, I, I know I would not have done a writing sprint otherwise. So having that, I don't want to say pressure because pressure is a bad word, but having that, you know. You don't want to let the other person down. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. You yeah. don't let the other person down. And sometimes it's easier to let yourself down than it is to let other people down. It's considerably so, easier to let yourself down, especially yeah. if you have low, low self-esteem because you already see yourself as a letdown. But like if you're doing a sprint with anyone, regardless of if it's someone you know really well or not, it's probably better if you don't know them that well, actually, because if it's someone that you know particularly well, you're going to be more inclined to think, well, they're not going to judge me for it. But there's that little bit of fear in the back of your mind when it's a stranger holding you accountable and saying, have you written this client blog post? And they're breathing down your neck. That sounds a bit harsh. That's a really harsh example. It's not a good one. But <laughs> I don't um, think any of your clients are that mean to you. <laughs> no, they're not. What I meant was um, Andrew and Pete, who run Atomic, have got a new program called Goal Getters, which is a bit like an accountability program on steroids because you pay to be in the program. And if you're successfully, if you successfully do 75% of your tasks for the month, you get some of that payment back for achieving it. So you've got money to lose if you don't do it. And also you're accountable to someone once a week and you have weekly calls to help you if you get stuck. And I found that that program helped me to do something that I'd been putting off for about six months and I managed to do that thing in a week. That's crazy good. Exactly. Awesome. Mm, Interesting. See, I think I... I mean, the opposite. I'd feel worse letting you down than letting a stranger down. For me, it is about the same, but I think the psychology is different depending on the person because I know some people are much more inclined to not care about letting someone down if they feel like they've got that relationship where the person's not going to judge them. Whereas I know some people feel it more like you when it's someone you care about. So I think it it just depends on how you're wired. Maybe I just know you'll judge me. (laughs) I won't judge you. I'll shout at you. That's the difference. That's worse. <laughs> the, the other thing that I think is really useful for getting, not just for accountability, but also for getting help is Facebook groups. And I'm a big Facebook user. I'm on there a lot when I'm hiding from work. But groups like SPF and the Alliance of Independent Authors and even some of the paid ones like SPF Genius and SPF Mastery, although Ali is paid, what am I saying? They're just really good for going in and being able to ask for help because you've got authors from all different backgrounds and earning levels in there willing to offer advice and insight. And everyone is really supportive. And that is the thing I love the most about the indie community is that it doesn't matter what genre you write. It could be the most balmy, obscure thing, but you will get the same advice regardless. And it might not be advice you want to hear, but it's going to help you improve. And that's really what counts. So, Most people will have heard of Scrivener. Scrivener is a writing software, basically, specifically designed for writing books, of course, not just like um, a word processing software or anything like that. So Scrivener has um, features like you can rearrange different scenes, you can store all your character information in there, it also formats your book. Scrivener means you can keep everything in one place. But because it's specifically designed for writing a book, it has intuitive features around that. So, Christina, you've been using Scrivener for many, many years. 
Yeah, I got it, I think, in 2015, just as we moved into this place. And I genuinely would never have finished writing a book if it wasn't for Scrivener. Because when I started in 2015, I didn't write chronologically. And so that meant having a lot of word files sitting on my hard drive. And because I'm not particularly organized, it's easy for those things to get lost. But if I know that they're in Scrivener, I can just like move them around where they fit in the end. And kind of as my writing process has changed, Scrivener has adapted with me. And that's one of the things that I really like about it is that how it's very, very versatile. Um, it does have a steep learning curve, but that's why I've got guides on the Writer's Cookbook on how to use it. And I also wrote a blog post on there. It's a few years old now, but it's something about how Scrivener changed my life because it genuinely did. Like, I'm, it's not hyperbole when I say that. I would not be a published author if it wasn't for Scrivener. That's uh, quite the review. Well, like, one of the big things for me was the fact that you can compartmentalize. So you you can work on one scene at a time and for my brain that's a lot less intimidating than fifty thousand words and seeing what's above and below it just focusing that's on that it. one scene is just so much easier yeah because before i got scrivener i was a mix between i think google docs and word and it's so much harder to manage such a big project in a, a software a piece of software that is just not designed to do that um like constantly scrolling back and forth and so you can have headers and stuff in there but you can't just pick stuff up and move it around quite as easily um and you can't like I like the features in Scrivener like it shows you your like daily word counter it shows you your total word count at the top you can add notes you can and comments you can um this you can have different sections for your character information everything is in one place yeah and that makes life infinitely easier because you won't lose anything one of the other writing programs that I like for the same reason is Plot Factory. And Plot Factory is kind of like a cross between Scrivener and a plotting course because you can write on it. But the real beauty of it is that it holds your hand when it comes to plotting. So it teaches you different structures and then you can fit your plot around those structures and spot the gaps as you're doing it. And it's really good for fantasy and sci-fi as well, because you can keep all your world building there. And it has guides to help you with your world building. It has questions for you to fill in that will allow you to fill out your world, your characters, and even special objects. Like, because you don't always think about it, but objects do play quite a big role in things like fantasy. Like if you've got a particular amulet or a wand or a tree or whatever, it helps to know those characteristics and be able to refer back to them in a really easy place. So that's one of the things I love about Plot Factory. It's just got so much stuff on plotting and I've just come to realize how much more organized it has helped me to be. And when I went back and changed the plot for my Aussie romance, which I haven't drafted yet, but that's not the point, I'd already got it in Plot Factory and it was a lot easier to change it in Plot Factory because it's got like drag and drop scene things in that you fill in. I know I'm really descriptive with what I call things. And that just makes it so much easier when you do make those changes and rearrange things when you're outlining. I admit I've not actually used Plot Factory myself, but it sounds really intuitive. <laughs> It is. It's really clever. And like I say, it really does hold your hand. So it's particularly good if you're just starting out because it's got those guides and it asks those questions that you've probably not considered, but that will make your life easier further down the line. Speaking of further down the line, one of the things on our list here is your little Apple Books editing technique. 
Yeah, so a lot of people, when they come to a certain point in editing, they will print a book off and they will annotate it by hand. And the reason for this is because you read it differently when you print it in um, and have a physical version in front of you because it's a different medium, it's sometimes a different font, it's a different background, and so your brain will process it as if it's new material. And I don't have a great track record with printers, and also I don't really want to use that much paper. Just don't. It feels expensive and not very eco-friendly. So instead, what I do, what I've done for all of my books, is I export them into Apple Books and I read them as an ebook, the same as 95% of my readers do. And that still allows me to read it differently as a complete book. And I can change things like the background color. So I often read on a black background. I could change the font. So I could go for a serif font, the Jubotech things like the quotation marks are pointing in the right direction. And if you've written in, say, a serif font, you can change it to a sans serif font. And so without the little flicks on the end of the word, your brain is immediately reading it as if it's entirely new material. And this can really help you pick up on all sorts of things. And then you can leave annotations on it, the same as you would in the margins of a physical book. And the beauty of doing it in Apple Books is that it will automatically sync between devices so i used to sometimes do it on my tablet when i was at home and then i would do some on the tram on the way at home on my phone and then have the notes on my laptop ready to put back into scrivener when i was ready to make those changes once i'd gone all the way through it so like sometimes if i thought something thought of like a bit more internal monologue to add in for example i type that up on my phone or tablet and then copy and paste it straight into Scrivener and then the job's done. And sometimes it just makes life so much easier to be able to do that and have everything sync across. Like, um, annoyingly, my tablet is too old to sync with my Mac now or with my phone, but I don't want to replace it because it's a nice size and it still works. So I've been hijacking my boyfriend's tablet instead. And that doesn't sync across either, but it's got a big enough screen that I can just have it kind of sitting on my desk instead. And it's got a pen, which is quite satisfying. I think... One of the things when it comes to editing is that worry that you are just going to, you know it so well, you're not even going to pay attention. You're only half reading it in your head. Having that function where, like you said, changing fonts and stuff to completely throw your brain off must make editing a lot more thorough. It does. And the other thing that really helps is reading it backwards. So you start at like chapter 37 and finish at chapter one, and then you're no longer focused on the story. You're looking more at like the typos and the description and things. And it is actually insane, the things that you can pick up on. Like, I specifically remember in The Mummy's Curse, Neve had an injury, and that was added in a subplot that got added at, towards the end of the process. And it's because I read it backwards, I realized that in the last few chapters, the rib injury had disappeared, and I had to add it back in. That's good to know. It's good to know. I, uh, I do remember reading this. <laughs> <laughs> so why is she okay now? Why is she not bothered by this term? I don't think you read that version. Really? I, think, I remember having no. conversations with you about it. We definitely talked about it, but the rib injury was added in after you had the beta version. Oh, I don't know then. Maybe I'm just imagining things. I think you are. Next on our list is world building. Now, world building, I know you've had a love-hate relationship with. No, I just hate it. It's not love-hate. I hate it. <laughs> Writing fantasy has not changed the fact that I hate world building. It is stuff my brain does not want to do. I find it boring. I do not like books that prioritize it either. Nothing is going to change my mind. Don't like it. <laughs> I Don't. think I think good world building is worthwhile, though. I think even though you hate it, 
your fantasy books are stronger for having invested some time in Wilbur. Oh, definitely. You just said something that made my brain realize what it classes as good world building, which is what you don't see. You don't realize what the writer oh, yeah. is describing as world building. Like in a lot of the crime books I write, I read, so are actually quite heavy on world building, but you don't notice because it's in the description of how like the characters interact and their processes and the location that they're in. You don't see it. Whereas a lot of the fantasy world building that I think adult books in particular are bad for is spending three pages writing about the history of a sword. That's the stuff I don't care for. Which is fine. And I don't think that should be included either, to be honest with you. It might be stuff that is worthwhile the author knowing if it comes up later, but it's just going to slow the story down, right? Yeah. So it's good mailing list content. <laughs> Specifically, good world building, then you have to include it in your book. Why is it important? And why is it on our list here to do it as soon as possible? I think if you do it up front, it just makes the process infinitely easier because. When I worked on The Ghost Call, I was treating it more like writing a TV series because that's how my brain works. It visualizes things. Um, and so a lot of the world building, you think like to a TV show like Charmed or Lost Girl, sometimes they won't answer the questions until that episode calls for it, right? And the writers probably didn't know how X, Y, and Z worked. And that's how you get as many plot holes as there are in Charmed. Still love it, but there are plot holes so one thing that you and alexa really pushed me on was the world building and alexa in particular was to know this stuff up front so that i don't shoot myself in the foot i don't get stuck i don't contradict myself i don't get confused i don't forget stuff and also i can foreshadow things more easily as well and i think that's been the really fun thing for me is being able to foreshadow things for the first time because i haven't been able to do that quite as much with my other two series because in what happens in I didn't plan quite that far ahead I had a vague idea but not enough of one and in Hollywood gossip everyone knew vaguely what was going to happen anyway so it didn't really feel like I could foreshadow things because if you already know how it's going to end it it's a lot harder but with the ghost call and the series in general I can drop in little hints about x and y little breadcrumbs to see if the reader figures it out and it's always really interesting when I get notes back from people who don't know the plot before the book goes live and I always ask my betas like what do you think is going to happen or who do you think is behind this just to see if they're on the right tracks and if I've left enough breadcrumbs but enough also to kind of plant that doubt in their mind exactly world building isn't just the fantasy elements necessarily it's creating the universe right and how things fit together and like you said a lot of that doesn't have to go on the page it word for word but it comes out on the page and if you know it in advance, it means you can build up to extra things. Exactly. New things. Just fuck up the lives even more. <laughs> the other thing I put on here as well, which I think is important to do before, to do a lot of before you come to writing, is getting to know your characters. Because obviously there are books out there anyway that tell you how important it is to have good characters. You know, readers want to read good characters. <clears throat> Christina has a book on this. But <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, actually. I covered my mouth from the mic. <laughs> Christina has a book on this. But <laughs> um, and obviously that's true. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that's not the reason I put this on here because it is 100% true. I've heard many people talk about only finishing a book or even a series because of the characters, um, not just the plot. So that's important anyway. But I think if you can do a lot of your characterization beforehand, if you can really get to know your characters um, and their motivations and what they want from life and, you know, who they are as a person, maybe some of their backstory, their childhood, etc., 
you can already predict how they're going to behave in certain situations. So when it comes to writing a particular scene, without having to think about it, you would go, oh, no, I know exactly how Alex is going to react in this because she hates X, Y, and Z. And um, she's also scared of this. So <laughs> things like that. In doing that, in knowing how your characters are going to react and how they feel about various different aspects of the, the plot that's coming up, means that you can write that faster, I think. Um, and if not faster, then at least more accurately the first time around or the second time around or whatever, you're going to get to the right version of that scene quicker if you know your characters better. And it makes the edits easier as well because you can go back through and go, no, they wouldn't phrase that sentence like that. Like I was going through um, The Witch's Sacrifice and there's a line that Dominic says and I'm like, that really doesn't fit his character. He sounds about 90. He's 19. <laughs> <laughs> it did not fit at all and so when you know your characters it like you say it does just make the whole thing easier and also i think it can make plotting easier as well yeah exactly because you may have your your main plot points that have to happen but your characters reacting to them is what keeps readers going right if they're invested in the character and a lot of the time they can influence what that plot is in the first place because Absolutely. like Edie is 17 and the way she responds to something is going to be very different to the way her 40 year old mother responds or Ben who's a 35 year old librarian witch you know they're all going to bring their own take on a situation and Edie's going to be a lot more empathetic Neva's going to be more impulsive and Ben's going to be a lot more methodical and those different mindsets do matter and they do influence the story if you were to go in and write a scene without having establish those facts beforehand even if they're just established in your own head obviously if you're to try and write a scene without having established that first it's going to be very flat it's going to be very boring it's not going to have the personalities of the, those individual characters coming through but if you already know what that's going to be it's going to feel natural to write them in the right way exactly so the last one it's the sort of elephant in the room the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room that I have lost track of how many episodes we've mentioned it in um, because it's such a, an important elephant. <laughs> it is. And it's the thing like, it is genuinely doing this podcast that changed my point of view. Talking to people like Elizabeth Span Craig, Matty Dalrymple, and hearing their processes and the fact that they write similar things to me with ghosts and mysteries and stuff like that, it made me go, well, maybe... I should try this because they've been doing this longer than I have. And just um, just to interrupt you slightly, we should probably tell people that we're talking about outlining because we haven't mentioned that yet. I was getting to that, but we just it called was it an elephant. Dramatic buildup. You ruined my dramatic buildup. Yes, we are discussing outlining. Yeah, they do very extensive outlines. I'm not going to be doing something that extensive, but I have found that when I do an outline it makes my process much more organized because I'm doing the problem solving before I sit down to write. Again, I can foreshadow even more. And I outlined books five and six in the Afterlife Cause series back to back. And originally the ending of book six was going to be the ending of book five. That's what happened when I did my post-it notes because I do the post-it notes first and then I flesh it out into an outline. And when I did the outline for book five, I was like, this ending doesn't work. It feels really like forced. And then when I was working on book six, I felt like it was a much better ending for book six because it was, I think it feels like the wrong word, but it kind of is because otherwise book five would have felt like I was ending it twice, which is a bit shit. Whereas book, book six then has a dramatic climax that just fits much better. 
And if I hadn't outlined it, I wouldn't have realized that. And I would have been quite far into the writing process of book five, I think, before I realized that. And I'm, how many words have I got on book five now? I think I've got about 30,000 on book five, maybe more. And it's the first time that I've written a book out of all 19 that I've done that it feels like a book from the first draft. And I've never had that before. Usually it's a collection of random scenes that I need to organize and flesh out. Whereas here, yeah, there are a few that need fleshing out because I couldn't be asked to write that day. But for the most part, I've written it chronologically and I've gone into a lot more detail than I would have done had I not had the subplots and the actual plots written down and already organized in the outline. Because we've discussed like subplots in the past and how my brain doesn't like them, right? It's the same as side quests in games. My brain wants to get to the main plot and get that done out of the way. And the side quests and the subplots, as much as I enjoy reading a subplot, I don't enjoy writing them as much. But if I've already weaved them into the narrative via an outline, my brain doesn't hate them quite so much because they're already there. And I'm not trying to figure out what it is, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Putting in that time planning beforehand, you're obviously getting a lot out of that because it means the book's coming out stronger more quickly as you said with book five but also I imagine like we said before you're you're going to be writing faster as well right instead of having you sit down to write instead of thinking what the hell am I doing today you already have a plan of what is next and can jump straight into the writing part of writing yeah there's many parts to writing there is and it's like my outline isn't perfect I very cleverly did not go back through it and check it before I actually started writing the book so I did realize some scenes that I had written an outline for didn't have enough depth and I got a bit stuck and a couple of them didn't have enough happening for them to be genuine standalone scenes but it's a learning curve right and I had to go through those 19 books that didn't have this process before I got here because my brain wasn't ready for it And I know that sounds like a lot of books to go through for my brain to be ready for it, but my brain is incredibly chaotic. So forcing it to be organized causes me physical discomfort. And so I needed to see how it affected other writers first before my brain would consider it. That makes perfect sense. I don't think it's any way negative that it's taking this many books to get the process down because... As we keep telling everyone, we're constantly learning as writers and we're adapting as writers, and we should be. That's a good and healthy thing. So I think it's good for you that you t- you've taken that time instead of trying to be the best you can be straight from the start or trying to be perfect from the start. I think knowing that, well, for you, having seen it work and knowing that it works pushed you to try it. So hopefully we can push other people to try it too. I'm trying it. I, as our lovely writers will know, I am currently on my very first book. So a, just just a little bit um, less than you. So <laughs> my process for now is I'm trying outlining. I'm trying to do as much planning and everything as I can, but I, I can't do it perfectly. And I should not expect that of myself. One of the things I said to you the other day was, I need to realize that this is my process for now but it's not going to be my process forever because I'm going to keep adapting and getting better at writing books. And it's not just that as well. Your life circumstances will influence your writing process as well because my pain changed my writing process. Yeah, that's very true. What I learned about 
my brain over the last year has changed my writing process and it's not just getting better sometimes your plots are going to be weaker than others I know I have some books that aren't as strong as some of my earlier ones and that's just the way it is it, it, yes it is a con- case of continuous improvement but roller coasters are not a straight line that's a good point that's a good point the healing process is not a straight line no definitely not definitely just ask not. my foot <laughs> i will not be having any further conversations with your foot thank you very much fine <laughs> If you enjoyed the Writer's Mindset podcast, we'd be super grateful if you could leave us a rating or a view on the podcast platform of your choice. Or if you're on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. It really helps with the writers find us so that we can help them achieve their wildest writing dreams too. And don't forget, if you'd like early access to our episodes, a chance to submit questions for our guests, and to listen to our new bonus series mentioned earlier, Healthy Habits, come join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash writers mindset we've got a lot of big things planned but we can only do them with your support every little bit helps us to help you more whether it's a rating or a review or becoming a patron see you next time keep writing (laughs) 